same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the Hello once again and welcome to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wafta, a.k.a. Fallout Fury. And with me, as always, is the Floronic Man to my Swamp Thing. My interest as this series kept going. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. Yeah. And with us for this entire season, the lovely and talented Miss Jennifer Holland, the Baronessa. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we, as we've been doing this season, have a guest. And I'd love to introduce our guest, Will Asphill. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Hey. Hey. Well, you had, out of a laundry list of episodes that we were doing, chosen Swamp Thing. Specifically, the second part of our More More series. There's kind of a deep-seated reason for this, because I was one of those kids that my parents were kind enough to buy me one of those Swamp Things t-shirts in kindergarten or something like that. It was in blue, and I'm really sad that I don't have it anymore because it was the Alan Moore artist designs from that series. I was also one of those kids that grew up trying to run the TV and catch episodes of the 90s Swamp Thing where they had a little kid in there there getting, like, captured and shit all the time. (laughs) Well, hey, it worked for the Hulk. Let's do it for Swamp Thing! (laughs) Nothing will go wrong if you include a child in a series or a movie and or show. It's all about horror. Yeah. We've been asking all of our guests this season, what is your background with comics? I have spent many a time on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday nights not going out to high school drinking things and just reading comic books and or watching comic book movies and rereading reruns on Marvel and DC Comics. I've even done some nerd theory communication. I was actually writing a paper on the implications of perpetuating stereotypes of overweight individuals within the medium of a graphic novel. For instance, on a run on Avengers The Initiative, they were recruiting all these young teenagers, indoctrinating all 50 states of superior teams, and they had this one specific run where they had a kid named Boulder, basically the equivalent of Juggernaut. He couldn't drown, he couldn't burn him. He was, the problem is, he was stuck being a teenager. He couldn't grow up. He was also overweight, so he was stuck in that physical form of being overweight. So you could put him through... All the military train you could do, he wouldn't lose a pound. He was literally locked into that, this one issue, and it was just kind of cruel because Taskmaster at that time, because Norman Osborn had taken over their place, S.H.I.E.L.D. with Hammer. Right. Taskmaster was his drill sergeant, and Constrictor was another trainer on the base, and they're just trying to teach him, and they're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this kid. Like, he can't do anything. <laughs> wow. And they called him Butterball Oof. instead of his code name. What is your weakness? I'm too fat to age. What? <laughs> like, I finished that issue, and I'm like, I literally want to write the writer for this this particular issue and be like, what the fuck is your problem? Because <laughs> all I was thinking was the fucking scene from Full Metal Jacket with the with Vincent Ocrio's character just couldn't get his shit together and freaking out. But instead, they washed hitting this Boulder character out. This is bullshit. I'm pissed. <laughs> wow. Dear sir, number one, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Personally, just at me next time. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your first comic? It was this issue of Venom with a a team member named Mace. It was this combination thing where they were fighting cyber fucking soldiers or something like that. 
in the underground homeless center of California, Los Angeles, or something like that. He's, like, eating, like, all these bad guys and shit like that. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. That's from the 90s. Right. <laughs> I also remember reading this X-Force run where it was multiple man had actually gotten infected with legacy like, virus, virus, and they were mutant AIDS. Yeah. Much. We want to talk about AIDS, but we can't bring up AIDS. Right. What do we got? So, <laughs> legacy yeah. virus. This one girl, I can't remember her name, she somehow vorpals him into her body, brings him back out, and is like, you're cured. And then she's like, cough, cough, cough. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and turns out, multiple men, when he makes duplicates, they're douchebags sometimes. Like, yes. I remember one run where it was multiple men running into the Smithsonian Museum after his duplicate. The duplicate grabs a Kermit puppet. He's like, hey everybody, and then punches him in the face. And I'm like, oh, I love this. This is great. Some of his duplicates run away from him and refuse yeah. to be reabsorbed. Yeah. That's my favorite part of Multiple Man. He's a really fun mutant. <laughs> and what's really insane is somebody explained the power sets. Alright, I want you to go out there and study philosophy and Dostoevsky and shit like that while I go fight these other bad mutants and stuff like that. Comes back and all of a sudden he's got a new hypothetical perspective on life because of philosophy and shit like that. This is weird. And this also makes me kind of Hey, I'm busy right now. Can you go learn how to play with clear ones? Smoke on the river for me. <laughs> we can loop this back to Swamp Thing. Would you say Jamie Braddock's then eat his <laughs> clone absorbs. and therefore absorbs their knowledge and consciousness? Goddamn fucking worms. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back to Swamp Thing. Bring it back. We watched the series. <laughs> Let's from 2019? Yeah. Uh, from last year. Last the year, new one. Yeah. The new one. It started out so good. I really wanted to like it. I wanted to like it so bad. And I did. It just kept slowly disappointing me with every episode. Was it much like a swamp thing, slowly slogging through the swamp? Yeah. And not really going anywhere and... Not giving you the pathos you want. I think it was more that it was like a CW show. Yes, thank you. And let me just preface that comment with, I hate CW shows. <laughs> they seem like they're going to be really good, and then they're overwrought teen dramas, no matter the age of any of the characters. I'm going to play a very popular song right now behind your speech <laughs> to make it even more powerful. Now you have to profess your love again to Josh. <laughs> Oh, wait. Plays. If she's talking to me, though, yeah. and I'm Archie Andrews, I have to take my shirt off. Yes. <laughs> I'm directing the show. Well, does that mean I get to be the crazy blonde? Awesome. Betty, awesome. yes. <laughs> We've watched a few CW shows. She has watched Supernatural with me, and that's a barely okay, but there's still even moments in that. It's super campy. It's self-aware. Right. But Arrow, come on. <laughs> there, are, there are moments in Arrow that I looked at her and I just went, you are watching the CW. Well, yeah, I mean, and he got that because we would start watching something and I'd be like, the CW. <laughs> right. Because it would just pop up in the it's, bottom. At of least it's better than the, the frog popping on over at the top hat going, it's the W bird. Actually. <laughs> If you think about it, those scenes where there's the people making out in the shower and like in, in the scene and everything, I would love the frog to just pop up We're watching with Cat and Troy through all of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so all of those end on this really deep drama filled. The CW app has very, very few commercials. Oh, yeah. And it's, so it's generally the same. Three will run in the same order, but it's the one that starts with Dr. Evil going, how about no? <laughs> so 
going to be like this really deep, like, oh my god, Oliver's dead. What are we going to do now? How about no? <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. But to go back to the first episode of Swamp Thing, we've got a very different perspective on our strong female lead, for one thing. Abigail Arcane yeah. is a center of disease control people. She's trying to quell... By the way, the worst oh, yeah, CDC right? person. The worst CDC doctor ever. The worst! <laughs> She's the worst. She is the worst. As bad as Paul Walker is in the Fast and Furious franchise, as bad of a cop as he is, uh-huh. Abby Arcane is that bad of a CDC runs person. Runs in. <laughs> just like, runs in. This person's sick. Gotta run in. We're looking for a person. Their daughter has got some weird disease in the hospital. We're going to the house. We walk in. The house is all covered in weird plants. I haven't bothered to put on any gloves yet. I haven't bothered to put on a mask. I'm just wandering around with a flashlight looking at stuff. I've got another guy with me. It's a cop. Let's back that back up one or two steps. Back that ass up? She is not even a good doctor. (laughs) Okay? She's not a good researcher. She works for the CDC. She works with disease. Mm -hmm. She is a researcher who should know that even to protect herself and those around her, yes, but also not to contaminate what she's researching. It's just terrible. Yeah, it's, it's real it's, bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. Yeah, <laughs> I was already yelling at the screen. Yeah. And I remember the conversation that we had halfway through the episode. It's like, am I yelling at this because I know it should be better and I want it to be better and it's not doing it for me? <laughs> or am I just yelling at this because it somehow makes the experience better? Right. I used to watch cop procedurals with oh, uh, yeah. Bill Jackson, who went to college for <laughs> criminal justice, and that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first episode of Blacklist where the main character shoots someone and goes on automatic administrative leave and they take her weapon for mm-hmm. that. Ter- and I was like, holy crap. And then they never, ever do that again. <laughs> I have only one note on this comic and I need to set it up because it is a very, very minor spoiler because it's one line. At one point, the Justice League is called. Mm-hmm. And you have all the Justice League talking about things, and I don't even know who half of them are because I, I don't know DC that well. And these are like somehow these are like tertiary characters in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. But at one point, there is one of the characters talking about changing molecules Firestorm. in the him. atmosphere. Superman says, and I quote. Do you know how many molecules make up Earth's atmosphere? If you wanted, I could count them. And we're dick swing. My, okay. My comment right after that is, "Shut the fuck up, Soups. Are you helping? <laughs> like seriously? Do you know how many molecules are in the atmosphere? Does it fucking matter? I can count them. <laughs> You, no, no, Mark. no, actually, that was brilliant. Yes, please, go. <laughs> That'll take him at least an hour. At least. It's kind of like when you give your kid some random project just to keep them the hell away from you for a little bit. Precisely. Precisely. I, I just dropped this bag of marbles. You should go pick them all up. So episode one, it's definitely got more of the body horror thing going on. It's definitely got the feel of 1980s John Carpenter, the thing going on there. Yeah, exactly. With, with the feel of it. Yeah. It, looked, it felt like they pulled back on the CGI. They went more practical, which here's the thing for me. I'm practical. I love the practical shit. You right. can pull it off in practical, great. If right. it needs to be done in CGI, fine. But if you <laughs> rely completely on CGI, I think you're weak. You're pathetic. 
Get out of my face. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. if your CGI starts at episode six uh-huh. and it looks bad, yeah. like Sharknado bad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no. Come on now. With Sharknado. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into this knowing this is going to be terrible. Oh, I did. So I like, still have to watch the other ones because I have to get at least get to Jericho being in it. That's <laughs> true. There is in production land, in TV production especially, there is a thought by producers that, well, this is based on a comic book. It really doesn't matter if it looks good, if it looks realistic. We, we can, I mean, we can fix up and post. Well, yeah. no, they just don't care. <laughs> Sidebar on CGI. This was done because it was eight days before they had to release the movie. The Scorpion King fight scene from The Mummy Returns that looks horrible. <laughs> it looks like The Rock is made of clay. It looks like it's The Rock's action figure. I'm really disappointed they couldn't get the... Claymation? Almost! It, yeah, it, it looks almost bad. looks like they sort of CGI, like, cell shade in animation. But yeah, back to, uh, we've got a couple of bandits characters. Matt Cable, he's a cop. He's trying to assist, assist Ab- Abigail Arcane, or Abby Arcane, I'm not sure you want to call it. We've got Avery Sutherland. He and Abby are married in the comic that we read. Is mm-hmm. that the same? Matt and Cable, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt, yeah, Matt and Matt Cable and Abby. Abby. Yep. Yes. But yeah. she's also kind of a troubled individual in the comic. Yeah. Is she a woman in an Alan Moore comic? Oh, there must be some kind of... Yeah, I would think like every third panel she was crying, so yes. That's just how Alan Moore sees women, because that's how women act around Alan Moore. I watched a 1985 interview. I do this method acting with all my characters I write about. Sometimes I walk into the living room with a weird face and my wife and daughters are used to it now. This is a good time to bring in the Alan Moore, why I became a (laughs) ceremonial magician quote. (laughs) What? He is officially a ceremonial magician who worships a god who he admits was made up. Because he feels that that's the best god to worship, because it would be the god of imagination. Alamore Cray Cray. <laughs> he follows Alistair Crowley, and he said he became a ceremonial magician because, quote, it was a logical step to end my career as a writer, end quote. Okay. Yep. Dude. Cray cray. He loves. So, looking at pictures of Alan Moore, he looks like people I knew in the 70s. <laughs> and those people were not people that my parents allowed me to be around alone. <laughs> His conspiracy theory is quote, The truth is that it is not the Jewish banking conspiracy or the great aliens or the seven foot repletoids from another dimension that are in control. The truth is far more frightening. No one is in control. The world is rudderless. From what I read with the comic book and books with Abby Arcane, she's got completely white hair except for a black streak. Apparently she's had this... She's the anti-rogue. Yes. <laughs> Rogue inverted. She's had it all her life. Yeah, she's had and it she's all her life as a kid. she's from the Balkans? From what I can understand here, like her uncle was taking her for okay. a time and like okay. sent her to the Balkans. Yeah. Maybe one of those boarding schools. Well, you know, I don't as have time you do, to bother with you. As you do. Just yeah. send her to the Balkans. Send her to the Balkans. She'll be fine. Sure, perfectly understandable. Yeah. Yeah, there, will, there will be, like, kids that are, like, fucking with her all the time and thinking she's a witch or anything like that. Um, they're kids. <laughs> kids are mean. Kids are horrible. True. But instead, we get the terrible center of disease control, uh, Abigail Arcane, who has got some kind of childhood trauma that we don't get to resolve 
it was so bad that when she got back to the CDC and they're like, no, we're taking your case from you. I'm like, yes, you should Absolutely. do that. Give it to a real scientist. She's the reason coronavirus is around. <laughs> well, also, it's like, yes, give it to a real scientist, a real researcher, but also not a single person. You should have a whole team down there. Right? This is banana. And you're like your lieutenant, the second guy like is going down there with her. Get sick, too. I'm like, fuck, man. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the whole town should be on quarantine. Yeah. And Avery burn. Sutherland... Just burn the town. Right. <laughs> and Avery Sutherland's like, no, everything's fine, everybody. We're going to have a crawfish for It's going to be We're going to eat up. Everybody's going to gather should, up in that a That should have been the point where the, the small tactical nuclear neutron bomb oh. was dropped right there. <laughs> oh, from like Boom. Return of the Living Dead? Yeah. Yes. Boom. Okay, that whole area is taken out. Everybody's dead. Good. Good. Then it's just the blue demon city. They're going, well, fuck! <laughs> can, we, can we talk for a little bit about the blue demon? Because <laughs> he can't die. I'm trying to figure this out, having not read a ton of Swamp Thing. I'm like, what is the blue demon? Why is the blue demon here? Thank you for putting Ian in here and bringing us back to Sharknado. But why? 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 What is he? I don't get it. Tell me about the you blue demon. You want me to tell you yeah. about the yeah. blue demon? Whatever you got. From my understanding, he was like a stuntman for movies. Yeah, no, he's pre- it's, it's pretty, pretty accurate. The, yeah. the show is pretty accurate to how he gets his power. From my understanding here, the way he's able to do the Blue Demon shit, it's all like a power suit option. Like, yes. he's literally, you know why I need for a power suit? Something that scares the living bejesus out of fucking West Baptist Church supporters. And now we're back to Freebird. And now we're back to Freebird. <laughs> Why are you here? What are you doing? Why are you... You made a deal with a devil, a demon, something, and... You made a deal with a producer. Yeah. You get a fucking, like, box-off series from the Swamp Thing. This was going to be their second volley for the DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, seasons of shows, most likely. They're like, well, that burned up. But I'm bummed. I feel like if this was the DVD, Swamp Thing the series, and they just kind of stuck some piece of chewing gum on the side of it and said, ah, and this is how we're going to start off the Blue Demon spinoff series. Please don't. (laughs) This was basically just our filler for the little bit of plot that we had for this whole first season. Yeah, I gotta say, when he goes to the edge of the city and puts his hand out and is burning himself, that's kind of how I felt about Cedar Rapids, Iowa, until I was like 18. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading 21 through 27 of the Saga of the Swamp Thing. Right, full disclosure, Jen and I only read 21 through 24 with Floronic Man. He's a douche. I think he only goes completely insane when he actually, like, connects with the green, but he's got... When he eats Swamp Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just a yam. Fine. (laughs) That is a tumor. Yeah, he ate a Swamp Thing tumor. Delicious. Side note, I really felt like those yam-like things were Swamp Thing, like getting rid of all of the bad... Oh, waste? Juju. Or bad energy. He was processing, and he was getting rid of the bad stuff, and that's what those were. Psychic waste. Okay. There we go. Come on. It's Alan Moore, DC Comics. Yes, psychic waste. (laughs) (laughs) At least there were no blue dogs. (laughs) <laughs> That's for another show. Yep, coming up, part three of more and more. Well, technically, Blue Demon was wearing pants, so but then again, we weren't seeing waist shots, so whatever. Right. <laughs> After the Floranic Man run, they were like, "Hey, let's do some more mystical stuff." Where they do this Monkey King run, where it's just this white little monkey thing that can turn into whatever you're afraid of. This brought me up a follow-up question. Because the major person that actually the team up kind of book at this point, Swamp Thing and Etrigan, the demon, 
is a Jack Kirby original creation. Instead of Blue Demon, Bear's like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> right? Why didn't we just yeah. go with Petrogan the Mutant Demon? Who the fuck is that? Yeah. Right. yeah. So a little <laughs> backstory on this one. Uh, Etrigan the Demon is actually an Arthurian knight named Jason Blood, who was a knight for Arthur, at least for some, some of the mythos story, but at least for the DC Bruce Tim storyline. They were like, oh, Jason Blood. You fucked up and let Morgana Le Fay into the castle of Camelot. I'm going to punish you. You're going to get combined with a demon. And he can actually invoke the demon Etrigan to take over his body, do a full transformation. And he spits fire and he speaks in like rhymes. It's gone, gone for a man. Now the demon Etrigan. And Etrigan takes over and beats the shit out of whatever's around that's like It's like DC Ghost Rider. Yeah, exactly. Huh. That's my nerdy thing for that. See, and that, I, I would be more interested in that. Yeah. And the Blue Demon. Yeah. The, yeah. Then the Blue Demon, yeah. Yeah. And there's even uh, Jason Blood and Etrigan have partnered up with Batman in some, in some animated shows. And Jason Blood's super versed. Did he like, show up in Justice stuff. League Dark? Yes, he did. Okay. He hates John Constantine a lot. Well, as yeah. anybody with any he's sense. He's a demon. <laughs> well, the major reason is like John Constantine hates control, control of like Jason Blood's body and forces him to transform into Etrigan. Which is kind of a dick move. Well, well John Constantine John is, is a dick. Yeah, yeah, he is a dick. Yeah. And apparently, uh, Jason Blood, in the series for the Saga of Swamp Thing, he can at least foresee some people's deaths. Telling this one guy, yeah, after that car accident you had, where you walked away fine, your wife is now wheelchair bound, and she knows about all your extra girlfriends. She's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Honestly, probably what I would do if I was psychic. When we're talking about the Swamp Thing, the TV series on DC Universe. Yeah. It's just such a fucking slow burn. It uh, it got cut down from 13 episodes because of budget issues to 10 issues. We get a tease for Jason Woodrow turning into the Floronic Man at the very end of episode 10. And honestly, that transformation should have happened at, like, episode 6 or 7. Them actually, like... You mean around the time that he ate part of Swamp Thing, just yeah, like in the yeah. comic? Have him turn into the monster. I understand psychological motivations to do things. He's doing this to fix his wife. His wife is slowly degrading mentally. She's becoming probably the mental equivalent of a baby now. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I get motivation. Well, yeah, she has dementia. With enough yeah. lucid yeah. moments to realize that her husband is crazy. Gone. Don't have the wife story in there. Yeah. Just have him be a crazy son of a bitch. Because that's what I was getting from reading more. Yeah. It's like, this guy's been com- uh, committed like sociopath. He's already transformed. Also, the flesh can thing. Flesh o can. I'm like, yeah. God damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Well, and when, when he was first, when he was first <coughs> called the fluorescent man, I was like, the aerosol cans made him what he is. Like, aerosol is can it? covers up him being right, like, completely but it, covered. But in the first scene Wait. where he's talking to Sutherland, he sprays it to remove the fake skin. He sprays yeah. water. It looked like, like an aerosol can. Yeah. yeah. So he was in a aerosol can and something <laughs> happened to him. Also, why was he in jail? What happened to him to make him what he is? You know, obviously I could read earlier, but Alan Moore. Well, the problem <laughs> is with Floronic Man, he's like, he's one of these like beeline DC villains. Which the Justice League just spends like all this time being like, he killed everyone in the town. Yeah, but he's never been a problem before. We never wanted more enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without spoiling the comic, let's just allude to what he does to a small town in Louisiana. Oh, he treats them like steak. And how... <laughs> Meatbags. Meatbags. Freaking Screaming meat. horrible. Yeah. The, the end result of that is. Yeah. Poison Ivy could learn a thing or two from the Swamp Thing comic. 
And what I really lo love about, like, Moore's writing is he doesn't just focus on what the actions of a villain does to the hero. He also focuses on the sideline characters, like this one police officer who happens mm -hmm. to watch the video. And he's like, I gotta go home and cut some shit down and burn yeah. some shit down. Right. He's, like, calling I his wife and, like, yeah. throw out all the house plants. Yeah. Yeah. I am slashing and burning my garden. I am destroying this tree, which we grew when we bought this house. <laughs> He's an older man now. It took a long time. Also, I really love the combination of the artists who did these works. If they want to do something horrifyingly disturbing, they do it. If they want to do something beautiful, they do it. They've got their talents down. This did not encourage me to read more Swampin. I would probably not keep reading. However, it has made me more curious about the concept of the green mm -hmm. as an entity in the DC universe, because I am interested in why the hell Poison Ivy is hanging out in Gotham City and not making herself one with the green. Well, I think there was one, one like issue where she actually married Swamp Thing or something like that. Makes sense. Yeah. And then there's the Harley Quinn Batman team-up movie where Floronic Man working with Poison Ivy in order to turn all the humans on Earth into plants. Yes! In order to enforce some kind of ecological change. That should be all yeah. that Poison Ivy's doing. She should not be messing with Batman. If this exists in the same universe, mm -hmm. she should be tossing herself into that swamp and be like, didn't work? Okay, hold on a second. Toss yourself into the swamp again. <laughs> but she's a city girl. I understand that. You can go visit the swamp, but it's not where you want to live. Sure. Well, once she becomes one with the green and she can Earth teleport herself back to <laughs> Gotham City through the root right. system... Well, the fact that the dude's name is Woodrue, yeah. and then once he starts to be one with the green, he's like, I am Wood Dash Rue. <laughs> no, no. Chainsaw. No, no, Alan. No. <laughs> Put the bowl down, my friends. We don't have much background history between Abby Arcane and the television series and between Alec Hall. There's nothing there. It's just like... Well, don't they just they meet? Met. They just they meet. Met. Yeah. Yeah, That's they, they meet. All of her yeah. background is with Sutherland. Yeah. Right. And his family. Right. Yeah. But Her like, son she has a, like relationship history with Al Collins, so it's this not really founded relationship history here on we and stuff like that. And she's like well, super focused know, on him and I'm it's like new love. Oh new love. Yeah. yeah. We shared a bourbon at his yeah. weird lab. Yeah. And then we made this experiment grow in a box and then we freaked out and made it blow up. <laughs> so I just met you and this is crazy. I'm C D C. You're the swamp thing baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. It's just Jen and I now. <laughs> I have a little bit of trivia from the IMDb. From the D? From the D, as no. Jason calls it. No, we're not calling it that. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of interesting things. First of all, it was shot in CinemaScope, which is an unusual format for a television show. Mm. Too bad, because they probably blew a lot of their budget doing it that way. A couple more. The town of Marais, Louisiana, is a fictional location, as you might imagine. Mm. But Marais in French is Swamp. So basically, the name of the town was Swamp. I'm from Louisiana. I live down in the swamp town. There was a thing <laughs> that came from the swamp. And so we have, ah, uh, I see what they did there. It's uh, clever. Isn't Very it? sneaky. It and then the last thing that I have is Adrienne Barbeau, if you are of a certain age, of which I am. She was the star of the 1982 movie version yes, of Swamp Thing. Yes, And she guest stars as CDC doctor, Dr. Pat. 
Palomar in the TV show. I like that deep cut. I was yeah. very happy about it. Yeah. I, yeah. We totally forgot to go back and watch the whole movie before we did this. I wouldn't say we've been missing it. <laughs> <laughs> also, one last thing. Most of the episodes are named after Bruce Springsteen songs. Yep. I didn't huh. catch that. Yep. I did not catch that. I was not. There were only uh, three that were not. Obviously, Pilot. <laughs> He Speaks and The Anatomy Lesson. Those are the three episodes out of ten that hmm. were not named after Bruce Springsteen. Why songs. Bruce Springsteen songs? Southern wedding artists. Question the boss. It, sometimes you gotta question the establishment. Random side question here. So is Swamp Thing's Beauty and the Beast but with dendrophilia? Is that what's going on? <laughs> well, there's no <laughs> Kristen Couric. Because in the comic book at one point, Abigail is like, mm, you smell good. And I'm like, this is awkward. I guarantee you he smells like the Mossman He-Man action figure. (laughs) (laughs) Which you have to be of a different certain age to remember that the Mossman He-Man action figure smelled like moss. I imagine that he smelled similar to moss, but I can guarantee you he did not smell good. No. (laughs) He should theoretically have been able to make himself smell like about anything. That's true. That's very true. Also, another side question. At the end end of the series, Woodrue transforms into the Floronic Man. It's a very decent practical effect transformation. I liked it. Does Woodrue use hedge clippers to trim his bush? Yeah, I I noticed that he didn't have like a Fido-ish shaped bush around his lower midsection <laughs> in the comics. Bear is, uh, bear is kind of dumbfounded right now. Just, I, don't, I don't know how to... Or is it a weed whacker? I was about to say, I don't, I don't know if he's straight razor or electric. Yeah. Well, also, he would really chafe at the idea of calling it manscaping. <laughs> really oh brings God. another term to garden weasel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Can anybody really call it a bad series, though, as long as Jake D.C. was in it? In the last episode. Even if it was only one episode. episode. Anything that reminds me that I need to watch The Frighteners again. Overall, they had a fairly decent cast. Yep. You know? Speaking of the cast, though, I will ask one more question. Yes, it right- was Princess Irulan. What? Virginia Madsen. <laughs> yes. Oh, Princess Irulan. They have the rights to it. Obviously, he has shown up in other DC-related things, and he started in Swamp Thing. Why no John Constantine? Why no Matt Ryan? Why the Blue Demon and no no Constantine? Constantine? Why Phantom Stranger? (laughs) But no John Constantine. Right? Everything is better with Matt Ryan. I would imagine that they had intended to go that route, seeing as all other TV shows with DC characters have to cross over because evidently it's mandated that you have to have crossovers with DC characters. The cross pin that they've done more than anyone else in the DC stuff that they've done is with Constantine because there was such a swell when his show was canceled and then he subsequently showed up in Arrow and Flash and then has been on Legends of Tomorrow. But he is the contact for the super secret special crossover that happens during the Infinite Crisis. He is the conduit there. Mm -hmm. And so why not just make, not quite like what you would imagine a Deadpool will be in Marvel eventually, but more like the Oh, did something mystical happen? I'm John motherfucking Constantine, and I'm just here to smoke a cigarette, talk a little shit, and introduce the plot. 
I like Constantine, and that's why I don't like that idea. Well, it's the so, only Constantine yeah. we're going to get, because we want him to have more. We want we him want to have, him have his more. own show. Also, how dare you try to link Neil Gaiman to this bullshit? Fair. Well, you keep reading. I've already spoiled this for me. I would definitely keep reading. I really enjoyed. I would read more, more. Just, it's been a series, you know, since the movie came out in the 80s, and I watched I always thought it was fascinating. So I would keep going just to see where they go with it. Well, I'm imagining you have. With the DC Universe series, I think I just came to a realization of like, oh, what, I know there are a lot of actors and they had to have their writing points and stuff like that, but I didn't care about Avery Sutherland and his drama with his wife. I didn't care about the wife and her teen daughter. I didn't care about Sheriff Cable, the woman hooking up with Avery Sutherland. There was like so much goddamn CW personal drama. I'm coming here to watch a show about Swamp Thing. I'm coming to watch a show about an entity who has the consciousness of Alec Holland losing its fucking shit yeah. because it's actually a plant. Right. It should be noted that this plot that was in mm-hmm. the show is first introduced in Alan Moore's run that we read, mm-hmm. and Swamp Thing had already been a comic for 20 years at that point. Yeah. So the fact that Alan Moore came in and said, you know uh, Swamp Thing's ultimate goal of trying to become human again? Well, he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and that became canon from then on because it just made the most sense. Scott Schneider did a dick move in Brightest in that day, and they're like, hey, we'll actually take the actual physical body of Alec Holland and have him be resurrected, and he has to choose to become the Swamp Thing. And I'm like, what the fuck are you on? <laughs> this guy's been dead for umpteen over this many years, and you're like, yeah, this is a weird choice to do. And then that's the point where they're bringing in more of the Avatar stuff. Yeah. The Avatar of the Green, the Avatar of Decay, the Avatar of the Red. And he's like, Jesus Christ, it's fucking Power Rangers. Jen, will you keep reading? Probably not. What I read was compelling. I did not find it arduous to read it, aside from the I am the old trademark. And mm-hmm. my eyes, <laughs> so much super tiny writing that's really squished together and it's hard to read. I will agree, like prints I was reading off of, the white on the black was really muddled up. I'm not sure if it was just a bad DC print or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't that. know if it... First, like, Siri was Woodrow, the anatomy lesson. The, the very first page that I opened, it was like, okay, we're starting with 21, and I opened it up to this, and I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so hard to read, but it was compelling. He is a weirdo freak, but Alan Moore can write a good story. I've already said I would not keep reading, and once more, I'm fine with the series being canceled. Yes. For the Although, God. having now seen mm-hmm. the second season of Titans, they, got better? they could have made it a lot better. I think in this whole thing, I'm just finding that as a young man, I loved Alan Moore. I loved the for Vendetta and Watchmen and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and even some of the stuff that he did in the greater DC young universe. Young man, don't you love Alan Moore? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've moved on. Alan Moore did some great things and I'm really appreciative of him. It's like looking back at angsty teenage poetry at this point. I got Warren Ellis, who is mad at the world and has a much better way of expressing it (laughs) instead of Alan Moore's fuck it, burn the world down. Warren Ellis is more, here's why the world sucks. Make your own observations. (laughs) Yeah, no, Warren Ellis is more like, this is why the world is on fire. Right. And I'm drinking whiskey. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gravitating more towards those writers now. Even Kieran Gillian. Those kind of stories are really what's captivating me now and what I read when I'm not reading for this show because it doesn't have media aspects. But there are a lot of things out there that will point out the flaws in the world without having the anarchistic tone of, and we should all rise up and destroy it! <laughs> like, but Alan, really, your overgrade ass isn't running up to Parliament to try and blow it up, so <laughs> you're not doing a whole lot other than casting spells. That'll do it for this episode of Graphically Novel. Will, give us a little plug. Uh, Tell us what you're up to and where uh, where people can find you. They can find me on Facebook at Will Asville. I'm also on Twitter at Billy Boulder. You got a couple uh, side hustles, don't you? Oh, yeah. I got, me and my buddy Josh Beiser, we watch terrible superhero movies and we're a podcast about it and talk about it on Deeper Heroes. I believe we're on a couple different formats. Just put in Deeper Heroes for, I believe, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I can't remember the other formats he, he normally plugs. All right, so check that out. We'll see y'all next time. Take it away, Vandello. Bye.